Welcome to the Winner Takes All podcast, formerly known as the Strife Podcast, the podcast where we talk about everything competition, whether it be sports, reality competitions, or who has the best Halloween costume. If you're competing, we're talking about it. I am your host, Kevin G, and I'm here, as always, with my co-host, CJ. CJ, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I missed you. We took last week off. Yeah. There was a lot of stuff to talk about, and uh, I had to talk to my wife. <laughs> wife so no longer soon soon to be contractually well, obligated roommate we got the wife word so soon to be wife she's moved up from contractually obligated because we're buying a house Ooh, yeah so you know buying a house she can get an upgrade in title but isn't that a contract though well, I mean, yeah, but I'll at least get 50% of it. That's true. That's if true. that contract becomes null and void. That's smart. So the soon-to-be wife, I like it. That works. This week, we're going to get into you buying the house. Is that a competition? Um, To her. <laughs> Did you have to compete against other people for this house? Uh, No. Actually, we were the only one to get an offer in. All right. Then congratulations <laughs> on that. Yeah, so my soon-to-be wife and I will be your soon-to-be neighbor. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys are moving down the street yeah. from, from me and also from the studio because the studio's in my house. So that makes sense. Yeah, I we're like going to have to get a new studio so that we can separate work and... Uh, <laughs> and business. And, yeah. And, 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 and <laughs> pleasure, I guess. Make it personal. Well, this week on the Winner Takes All podcast that we changed the name because the Strife... There was other podcasts called The Strife, so we just changed it to the Winner Takes All podcast. This week, we're going to talk about some football, some basketball, a little bit, Big Brother, Supermarket Sweep. But first, I want to talk about Los Angeles being title town. The Dodgers, the Dodgers won the World Series in game six after much maligned Dave Roberts decided to go with the bullpen game for that game. We had Gonsolin starting off. We had we saw a little bit of everybody. Uh, Julio Urias closed the game out. Also, Justin Turner tested positive for COVID in the middle of the game, and then came back and celebrated without a mask with his teammates. <laughs> yeah, it's it was a interesting World Series, I should say. I mean, last time we talked, you were ready to fire Dave Roberts. I was. You were looking forward to not be disappointed in losing the World Series. I was. And then they won the World Series. And Dave Roberts gets to stay a little bit longer. He's going to probably get an extension. Oh, yeah. You won the World Series, you get an extension. Did he just do the Joe Flacco move where you win the title and all of a sudden you win, You make millions of dollars? Yeah. I mean, he became elite. This team, though, is too expensive. Is it for the Dodgers? So this year their salary was 220 I believe, 223 They led the league in terms of cost. I don't know if they're going to be able to keep everybody together, but before we start talking about the future, I want to talk about the now. I went to game seven when they got hosed by the Astros. I mean, they didn't get hosed. The Astros couldn't bang trash cans in L.A. They couldn't do it in L.A., and but they knew you Darvish's stuff because they had played him for so many years when he was on the Rangers. I mean, that's not cheating. That's scouting. Right, but in game five, either game four or game five, when they were in Houston, they rocked Clayton Kershaw late in the game, and that was due to all their cheating. They shouldn't even gone to Game 7. Well, I mean, Clayton Kershaw hasn't been great in the playoffs historically. 
But that's the problem, right? Is that you include that situation in Houston. It just makes him look even worse. I mean, the Astros situation got two guys fired, never pitched again. You know about that, right? Yeah. So you add those stats in there, it makes him look even worse. But you throw those stats out. Also, the Red Sox were cheating. Throw those out. I mean, you can't take you can't vacate titles unless you're the USC Trojans who had Reggie Bush on the team. Right. Like in in the NCAA, you can vacate championships all the time. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's dumb. They pretend like stuff didn't happen. So with you cannot you can't since you can't vacate titles, I guess you use those stats. Clayton looked great in this World Series. He did, but the Rays are the truest three outcome team to ever exist. Like they hit like 220 mm-hmm. and struck out at a historic rate, mm-hmm. but they just kept hitting solo homers because nobody got on base. Right. And they didn't particularly draw a lot of walks this World Series. They didn't because the, the Dodgers pitching staff was on point. Yeah, but it's just one of those. I think the Rays, although it was exciting to see a different team get to the World Series, mm-hmm. is what baseball is becoming. It's not good for fans. Oh, explain. Like, so this is one of the lowest, like historically lowest rated World Series. Mm-hmm. And going back to the 90s, home runs are popular. Yeah. I mean, there was a Chicks whole ad dig campaign. the long ball. Exactly. But it doesn't make for a particularly compelling watch when a game is four hours long because you keep changing pitchers. Mm-hmm. And it's 3-1 is the clinching game because the Rays hit one home run. That was their only run of the game. The Dodgers hit in a few singles. Yep. That was it. Like, people want offense. And people want stars. And there are no stars in baseball. Now, we've talked about stars before, me and you, off off the air. Baseball doesn't have... They don't do well making new stars. So, I, I was in a conversation with one of our producers, Albert, last night. And he was trying to tell me that baseball does not suffer from lack of stars. Then he proceeded to cite Clayton Kershaw, Mookie Betts, uh, Justin Turner, and Seager. So Dodgers. All Dodgers. Albert is also a Dodger fan. Mm -hmm. I said, that's great, but I'm a casual fan who happens to be a hardcore sports fan. So I know more players than the average person. Mm Mm-hmm. You named all Dodgers. I knew two people on the race coming into this World Series. He's like, well, Rosarina is a household name now. No, he's not because nobody watched the World Series. I don't, I don't, I don't know if I knew anyone on the race exactly. going into the game. And like, I'm a Dodger fan, so I watch Dodger games. The stars, let me tell you, stars that I could think of that are in the Major League Baseball: mm-hmm. Aaron Judge, mm-hmm. Dodgers. I'm not going to even name the Dodgers. I, I know all the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. Um. John Carlos Stanton. But would you know him if you saw him walking down the street? I would know Aaron Judge. Me too. I might know John Carlos Stanton. I would not. Um, I know Chris Bryant. I, know I don't know what like. he looks like. I know what he looks like. Okay. I know Bryce Harper, what he looks like. I know what he looks like. I know Steven Strasburg, what he looks like. Mm-hmm. You forget Mike, Mike Trout. Mm-hmm. Mike Trout. Albert Pujols. Yes. Beyond that, I couldn't tell you anyone else's name that I know offhand, which is a problem because I named like nine guys maybe. 
And in a league with this many players, you don't have marketable stars. Like think about the ad campaigns during the World Series. You should be seeing baseball players all over the place. Right. And other than especially during the World Series. Especially during the World Series. Clayton Kershaw is the only one I can recall that has a commercial. And Mookie Betts because they were showing him steal second so I can get my taco. <laughs> Shouts to Mookie for being the only one to do that twice. Yes. You know? But my point is, baseball is hitting a crossroads where they're talking about we need to figure out ways to increase the pace of play. We need to figure out a way to make the game more engaging so that we can bring fans back because attendance is going down. Ratings are going down. It's becoming more regionalized because people follow their teams instead of following the sport as a whole. The sport as a whole. All true. You also need to figure out how to get stars because stars draw eyeballs. You see that with the NBA where their finals ratings ebb and flow based on who's in the series. Well, I mean, and going on that, what's crazy is that Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes are in commercials. Super duper stars. They are football players that wear helmets. Yeah. You Baseball players face. only wear a hat. <laughs> I should be able to know who is who when they're facing. You're right. I, I don't know. Like Giancarlo Stanton, I know what he looks like. But those na- other than the names I named, I couldn't tell you what anybody's face looks like. And it's because they're not marketable because you're not seeing them. Right. Interesting. I didn't think about it like that. And when you have your biggest market. So Chicago has Chris Bryant. You had uh, Bryce Harper, who was in Washington, but mm-hmm. is now in Philly. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stanton and Judge, both New York. And then you have all your Dodgers. Right. And Trout and is Trout's in, LA. in and, L.A. But not really because he's in Anaheim. I'm still mad about the Los Angeles Angels but, in Anaheim. The thing that's interesting with Trout is that he doesn't like the media stuff either. So he doesn't want to be marketed. Right. So you don't really. I only know him because I lived in L.A. at one point, And I... He's the best player, if not the second best player in baseball. He's definitely the best player in baseball. Him or him or Mookie Betts. One of, they both are five tool players. So that's why I say best player, if not his second best player, if not the best player. So yeah. It's debatable between the two of them. Only that's the only reason though. But yes. Right. Mookie though, I know what he looks like, mainly because I'm a Dodger fan. If I before he played on the Dodgers this year, I I know Mookie Betts' name, but I don't think I could have told you what it looked like. I I knew his name, and I knew he was black, and that was all I could have told you about him. Right. And the only reason that sticks out to me, there's not a lot of black baseball players either. No, there isn't, which is odd, too. But I I think that has to do with, we're going to go into depth about why I think baseball and soccer are doing themselves disservices here in the States. Mm -hmm. Because you got guys playing in third world countries, both of these games. Mm Mm-hmm. And they're extremely talented stars. But both of those games have priced themselves out here in the States and made it extremely hard for kids to get into because it costs too much. In the States, yes. And, I mean, you go to Cuba or Colombia or other parts of South America and kids are playing baseball, but they leave the glove in the outfield because both sides use the same equipment. Mm -hmm. They have one bat, one ball, nine gloves kids are out there playing barefoot but they play soccer is a little bit easier you need you don't even need a goal you need trash cans to set up your goal you don't and you need a ball you don't need shoes or anything kids can play that anywhere but here in the states we need to have a big pomp and circumstance we also need space 
We have space. We have parks. We have areas. Not but in the inner city. That we do. We do. There's parks that they could play in, but they like, for instance, do you know how much it costs for one? I'm not, we're not going to get into it. I'm not going to get into it. We'll talk about it later because I looked this up before and the amount it costs to play in one ASO season, way too much. That's AYSO. Lot. AYSO costs way too much. Mm-hmm. And that's why kids are priced out. The kid, kids, uh, minority kids are priced out. It's yep. too expensive. But we'll talk about that later. I want to get back to the Dodgers. I want to talk about Justin Turner getting pulled in the eighth inning. For a positive COVID test. So at first I was extremely outraged and now I'm only mildly outraged. So apparently what happened was his Monday test was tested on Tuesday and it came back irregular. So at that point, they immediately pulled his Tuesday test and ran it. When they ran it, he tested positive. So they immediately notified the Dodgers who immediately pulled him from the game, Mm -hmm. which has been independently verified. So I believe that I don't think the Dodgers marched him out there to try to win a game like the Marlins did when they were trying to win games and earlier in the season and had their COVID outbreak. The problem is you put him in isolation, you put a mask on him. Cool. He comes out to celebrate with this team, which anyone would want to celebrate with their team after getting the greatest professional achievement of your lifetime and winning a championship. Mm-hmm. But then he takes his mask off to take the photo with the team and he never put it back on. And that's a problem. Okay. So baseball, who says they're investigating it? You have to come down on him and the Dodgers. What do you do, though? You find them? I think you find the Dodgers and you suspend him. How many games do you suspend him for? Five? It depends on how many games they play next season. Are you gonna give them like a third of the season? Is it like the peak nah, that's way too much. I think I think if it's another sixty game season, five is appropriate. If you're talking about a a full hundred sixty two game season, that ten to twenty game range, and I think twenty would be harsh. But I think you need to send the message that putting people at risk not acceptable. It's interesting because he may not even be on the Dodgers next year. He's a free agent this year. I don't see them letting him go. I don't see them letting them, letting go, letting him go either, but there's a possibility. Yeah. If they, from, from all reports, he came out under his own volition. No one sent him out there. He decided to just come out. But nobody stopped him either. Yes, you're right. They just won the, they just completed the number one professional achievement of his life. Everyone's in a celebratory mode. I'm sure someone was like, you probably shouldn't be out here, bro. And then, like, that was probably the extent of it. No one also didn't didn't do, like, a WWE ring where someone ran down to go. The ballets came down to go grab him <laughs> and pull him out the, the field either. No one did that either. Nah. So, is Justin Turner at fault? Yes. Are the Dodgers at fault? I don't know. I think the Dodgers, unfortunately, in this case, it's that uh, the NCAA lack of institutional control mm-hmm. punishment where – did you do anything wrong? You specifically know, but you didn't maintain your oversight into the situation. So you're punished. You're guilty by association. Is Justin Turner going to get Dave Roberts fired for this? Oh, maybe. This maybe we will fire probably. Dave Roberts. Actually, oh. probably not. Oh. Probably not. I mean, if Dave Roberts got fired, maybe they'll suspend Dave Roberts the same way they did Sean Payton with Bounty Gate. <laughs> for the whole season. <laughs> you wish. You wish. Man. Before we move on from baseball, one other thing I want to talk about. Yesterday, the Chicago White Sox hiring Tony LaRusa. 
you went and got an over the hill manager to an increasingly modernizing game that he's going to be the king of get off my lawn, except he's going to be saying it to his own players when he takes them off the field. I actually want to talk about the Larissa thing and I want to talk about it in conjunction with our next topic that we're going to switch to. Okay. Tony LaRusso is too old to be coaching the White Sox. Not just too old. He's too behind the times. He's too behind the times. Transition. You ready for this okay. sick transition? Mike McCarthy is also too behind <laughs> the times to be coaching in the NFL. You like that transition? I'm. He talked about all year how he's changed, how he went and researched the analytics. Yep. He was going to be more aggressive. I don't, I don't know. see it. I don't Vince see Cowboys it. Cowboys are bad. But in addition to not seeing it, they turned the ball over too damn much. Yes. I'll, I mean, like, they have some NFL blitz level turnovers. <laughs> I ball, can see dudes flying in the air like a helicopter. Yeah. <laughs> Balls just getting deflected for no reason and ending up in the other team's hand. It's it, comical. It's it's bad. And then now they're on to their third, their third quarterback. The line can't block for anyone. Zeke can't seem to hold on to the ball. You have a million weapons on offense. You can't get them the ball. Nope. And then this defense is just historically bad. Yeah, they are awful. And you know what the funny thing is, is how awful they are? They're not the worst pass defense in football. <laughs> Who is? The Seahawks. So, okay. But the Seahawks are good at offense. Yeah, they're like they're like historically good at offense. They're historically good at offense. Do you know how bad the Cowboys are? How bad are they? In one fantasy league that I play in, they have negative 21 points. Oh, yes, in terms of uh, the defense. In defensive scoring, they have negative points, which means you would have been better off not starting anyone on an average week than starting them. Through seven weeks. it's It's been tough. So we're seven weeks into the season, the NFL season. I want to talk about these teams that are bad, teams that are good, teams that are good, bad, which means they look good on paper, but and they're like their record says they're good, but we know they're a bad team. Yep. And I want to talk about teams that are bad, good, that the record's bad, but I think the teams are good. Let's start in the the NFC East because since we were talking about them, let's start with the the Eagles. Who are two and four, I think, and one two four and one. Don't want to short shift their their tie. Yeah, because that's probably going to be what wins them the division. Yeah, I think the Eagles are bad, good. So they're a bad, good team. Their record's bad, but yeah. they're a good team when everybody's healthy. They are the second most decimated by injury team in the NFL, mm -hmm. and unfortunately for them, all of their injuries are on the offensive side of the ball. Going into last week's game, they had three of their projected starters on offense. And then they lost one of the linemen who was a projected starter, meaning it was Wentz and Jason Kelsey, who was their center. And that was it. That was it. Everyone else who was Holgum, playing. Holgum, Greg Ward. You have Boston Scott back there running the ball. Yeah, Richard Rodgers, who was signed off of the street. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm pretty sure he was playing basketball at the YMCA this time last year. And they were like, oh, he would be good to play today. You know what's funny is they I, they signed, I think his name is Hakeem Butler, who was a draft pick for the Cardinals last year and was a wide receiver. The Cardinals cut him this year. They signed him and converted him to tight end. This dude has never played tight end in his life. But he has to right now because but that's what we're, to. they're just doing what they can. Yeah, they have... They are so banged up, and they should have beat Washington at the beginning of the season. 
but they've lost the games they're supposed to. They've won some games that they were supposed to. I the when they beat the 49ers, the 49ers were mm-hmm. the only team more banged up in the NFL than them. Mm-hmm. And the 49ers have looked good recently. Are they? I don't even know the. I don't even know the team. The 49ers are more banged up than they are based on what we we think about. It. I think the Eagles are more are the most banged up team. So I'm a 49er fan, so I'm also subjective. But and we'll get to the 49ers after this. But the 49ers. At the time that they played the Eagles, they were missing both of their starting corners, three of their, I say, actually, four of their starting defensive ends. And I can say four because two of them tore their ACL and were out. Then they their backup, D Ford, was out with a neck injury. And then their other backup, Ziggy Ansah, tore his bicep. Mm. So they were without four of them. They were missing their starting running back, starting two running backs. They were missing one of their starting receivers, and they were missing George Kittle. Or no, George Kittle had just came back, but they were missing Jimmy Garoppolo. So they were pretty. Ba- they were both pretty banged up. We're going to call it a tie because missing – if you have 11 starters on offense and you're missing nine of them, Yeah, that's a, that's a problem. The 49ers are also missing nine starters. It's just on both sides of the ball. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Washington. Washington's bad. You don't think they're a good bad – I think they're, just, they're a bad team. I think they're bad, but I think they're – a bad team and a bad division, which is going to prop up their record. Like I think Washington could be in the mix for the number one pick, except for the fact that they're in the NFC East. They're going to stumble into some wins that they shouldn't have gotten. I mean, Washington is two and five with two division wins and one division loss. And then the rest are non-division losses. And you know who those two teams they beat are? Yeah. The Eagles and the Cowboys. Yeah. And they lose to the Giants. And they lost to the Giants because they went for two. And so... Washington is a bad team. Dallas is a bad, bad team. They're a bad, bad team. Because I don't even think they're bad good. There's nothing that told Mike McCarthy makes them bad, bad. What I will say, though, is Jerry Jones has shown to be patient with coaches. I mean, Jason Garrett was there for a decade. Yeah, so we'll see what happens. And they kept Wade Phillips for a long time, too. So I don't think Mike McCarthy is in any risk of losing Getting fired, true. But I think Mike Nolan will be gone after the season, their defensive coordinator. What about the Giants, though? Are they a bad, good team? No. If you follow analytics, they are actually rated lower than the Jets. Which is shocking. Which is shocking. But advanced stat says that the Giants are the worst team in football. And you know who is the offensive coordinator of the Giants? Who? Former coach Jason Garrett. Mm, shocker. Yeah. Former Cowboys coach Jason Garrett. With another awful offense. So this this division has one uh, bad, good team, and the rest are bad. Yeah. The NFC North, we have Green Bay, good. Mm-hmm. Chicago, who is good, bad. They are definitely good, bad. Because they have a good record, but they are not a good team. So every week Chicago plays, I make it a point to not watch them. <laughs> because their offense is awful. Mm-hmm. We've talked about before how I think Nick Foles is not the truth. He might get benched for Mitchell Trubisky. Nah, because once you make that move, you just make that move. I so, mean, they already made the move to go to Foles. They're going to go back. I think they're just going to ride with him because I don't think that the coach likes Trubisky at all. I don't think that the defense outscoring the offense is doing Nick Foles any favor. That I do agree with. The Lions. They are who we thought they were. They're 3-3. Three and three. They're actually better than I thought they were, but they are who we thought they were. Matt Patricia will be gone at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Minnesota. 
I think Minnesota is a bad good team. I think they're just bad because I think we underestimated how bad they would be starting three rookie corners, rookie or second year corners. So I think their defense isn't good, but I think that run game is really good. And Kirk Cousins, no matter what you say about him, I like the dude because he throws the ball. He slings the ball to those wide receivers and Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen are good. That's great and all, but he also slings the ball to the defense with his 10 interceptions. But the defense, the, NFL. The, the Minnesota defense, though, is so bad that they can't stop anybody. So even if he throws picks, if you have a defense that can stop them, you get the ball back and you just keep. That's what gunslingers, that's what gunslingers do. Look at Brett Favre. That's what gunslingers do. They throw the ball. So Kirk Cousins throwing the ball. Like those receivers that he's got are stout. I don't think. Minnesota's coming back this year. I think they need to fix their defense. I think so, Because too. they also can't rush the passer. And then they lost... Uh, who's their defensive end? Well, they traded away Yannick Ngakwe. Mm-hmm. And then their other starting defensive end, I'm drawing a blank on his name, is really good. They traded him away. Or they didn't trade him away. He's out for the year with a neck injury. So you can't rush the passer. And you don't have corners who could stop the pass, you're just in trouble. Daniel Hunter, yeah, is his name. Daniel yeah. Hunter, who is Pro Bowl, maybe All Pro defensive end. Yeah. So you don't have him. You don't have Yannick, who you traded for and then traded away. So you traded a two for him, and you got back a three for him. So you said we're gonna try this, and then we'll lose a draft pick. Like we'll drop we'll, around. We'll drop around. Draft. Yeah. That's weird. Yeah. They. And they have all pro safeties, but it doesn't matter if the corners can't stop anyone. Right. So I think the Vikings are just bad this year. Going to the NFC South, the Tampa Bay Buc- the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are five and two. I think they're a good team. I think they're a great team. I thought that the uh, the offense would be fine with Brady. It's actually been better than I thought because mm-hmm. I thought Brady was. On the decline, apparently he is not. And the defense has been the really defense good. Is stout. So the point differential from points for to points against is 80 points. Yeah. 80. They have scored. The defense does not give up points. That is insane. That actually leads the NFL right now. Yep. It's crazy. Like That's above the Chiefs. It's above the Ravens of the Packers because they blew the doors off the Packers. They are, I think they're a great team and I think they might make the Super Bowl. What about the Saints? I am incomplete on them because Michael Thomas hasn't played. I think they're a good team because they're still four and two without Michael Thomas. Kamara's killing it. And that defense is a turnstile almost. Oh, so there's something wrong with the defense because the defense is what made them great last year. Yeah, there's something going on. They're giving up a lot of points. They're giving up a lot of yards. They're not stopping anybody. But it's the same same guys. It's weird. It's weird. It's the same coach, same guys. I don't really know what's going on, but I'm sure they can get it together, which is why I have them just as a good team. We get to the Panthers. I think the Panthers are a bad team. I think they're bad, but I think they're closer to mediocre than truly bad. Okay. But they're, I mean, they're three and five. Yeah. I just have them as a bad team. Well, I mean, six and ten—that's middle of the pack. 
it's bad, but it's middle of the pack. Like you're around 10th in the draft. But then we get to the Falcons who are a bad, good team. I don't care what anyone says. I think they're a bad. I've watched their games. I've watched them lose to the Cowboys. I watched them lose last week. I watched them barely win this past on this past Thursday. Thursday night it was the Panthers versus the Falcons. The defense is getting in there and getting things done. That for was the, most that was the of first. the game. That was the first. Their defense has also been atrocious. Their defense has been good for most of the game. Okay, how do you accidentally score a touchdown and then lose? Like, first of all, how do you accidentally score a touchdown? Nobody accidentally <laughs> scores a touchdown. The Todd, whole point of the game is to score a touchdown. Todd Gurley against the Lions when he fell down. And yeah. He tried to stop it. And the worst part is, all you had to do was switch hands with the ball, and then it wouldn't have <laughs> broke the plane, and he wouldn't have scored a touchdown. I mean, shouts to my fantasy team. I'm glad that he did. Uh, he's done it before. When he was on the Rams, he purposely took a knee to not score a touchdown so they could run out the clock. I, I loved watching the, the Lions players saying he's in he's in. yeah pointing at him pointing at the ref throwing their hands up because you knew as soon as he scored that touchdown the lions were going to win because that's how the falcon season has went yeah and which and, is why i think they're a bad good team because i think that they've had just bad breaks they've had bad breaks and and missteps like that in the cowboys game when the ball spun for 15 yards before someone fell on it 15 yards to spun for about three years. <laughs> and then it just went. And I don't think the Falcons realized they could jump on it before it went 10 yards. But they didn't. And then the Cowboys got the got the ball, and then they came back. I think Reem, I think Reem Morris is a good coach. Nah, he's awful. I think he's a good coach. I mean, I think it was Bill Simmons who came up with the acronym WARM, wins above Raheem Morris, because <laughs> he is bad. Well, we'll see, man. I think he, he now has two wins under the Falcons' belt. If the Falcons win those other three games, we're talking about a five and two team. But then you have Dan Quinn. A five and three team? Yeah, and I guess you do still have Dan Quinn because he doesn't get fired. Yeah. So, you know, we'll see what happens. I think they're a – you have them as a bad team. I have them as a bad, good team. I think it's all on coaching there. And I think – like, I don't think Raheem Morris keeps this job. I don't think that Dirk Cutter, the offensive coordinator, keeps his job. I don't think he does either. I think they're going to clean house. And because they clean house – I don't see them getting rid of Julio Jones because I, it's going to be too expensive to move on. I could see them moving on to Matt Ryan. And just doing a complete rebuild. And doing a complete rebuild if they get a high enough draft pick. Do you think Todd Gurley – I think Todd Gurley's been playing great. He has been, but running backs are a dime a dozen. Like, he's been good, but – I. I would pay no running back because you can get 80% of the production for 20% of the price. I'm in that Mike Shanahan school of thought. Right, because literally any guy they trot out there is productive. Mm -hmm. Remember Olandis Gary? No. Exactly. Who's that? He used to be the starting running back for the Broncos after Terrell Davis, Oh, but before Mike Anderson. Oh, those other two names I know, I don't know this. Orlando's scary. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, in the NFC West, we have the Seahawks, who are great. They're good. That defense scares me, and not in a good way. Yeah, because they let, they're just going to get in shootouts. Yeah, so uh, Future Wife is a Seahawks fan. That Sunday night game was stressful for her. And also for me, because I had Kyler Murray as my starting quarterback. And that last drive of 
regulation, he put me in position to win my game. So I was excited. She told me to shut up and tried to kick me out of the room. But I was watching football <laughs> with her. She was like, you're cheering against my team. I said, no, I'm cheering for my fantasy team. Let's go, Kyler. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm a 49er fan. I don't care who wins this game because we're catching somebody in the division. But I need Kyler to ball out. And he did. And I won by five points. Thank you, Kyler Murray. No one cares about your fantasy team. But the Seahawks are still a great, a good team. That offense is putting a point. I think they have the most points, one of the most points for for the team after Tampa Bay. Yeah, but but their Tampa points played an against, extra game. Yes, but their points against also is just sky. Insane. Yeah, it is sky. Their defense is really bad, and I don't know if Jamal Adams coming back from injury is going to help fix it. I think we're just gonna have to see because it's it's, it's going to have to do something. Well, I really hope Jamal Adams doesn't come back this week because 49ers are playing them. Well. We're going to get to the Niners. The Cardinals, they're 5-2. and two. Mm-hmm. Are they a good team? Good, bad team? Bad I team? think they're good, but I'm kind of scared for Kyler because he hasn't looked great throwing the ball. True. Like, he's been propping up that. And I'm, this isn't a fantasy take. This is a watching football take. He looked awful against the Cowboys. And there's been some other games where he couldn't hit the broad side of the barn with the pass. But his running has propped up the offense and kept them on schedule. Yeah. If he doesn't fix the passing, I don't think they're a true contender. Well, Chase Edmonds is better than King and Drake. So when oh, they yeah, figure 100%. that out, then I think they're going to really be a good team. Oh, yeah. And now injury has forced their hand. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see if King and Drake gets his job back. I doubt it. I don't think he will either. I think it's going to be like David Johnson last year mm-hmm. where he got injured. They put in Chase Edmonds. He got injured. They bring in King and Drake, and then King and Drake kept the job. Mm-hmm. Um, The Rams. They're five and two. They might be a good, bad team. I think they're a good, bad team. So why do you think they're a good, bad team? So watching the games we played, uh, Jared Goff doesn't look great back there behind the uh, the line. The defense has been good, Mm -hmm. but like not lights out. And I feel like Sean McVay is calling good plays, Mm -hmm. but Jared Goff is just not hitting the open guys. So here's my problem with the Rams is – they haven't played anyone that has answered the question whether they're good or not. And that's why I think that they're a good, bad team. So their wins this season, the Eagles, mm-hmm. the Cowboys, mm-hmm. the Washington football team, the Giants, <laughs> and the Bears. So the NFC East mm-hmm. and the Bears. Their losses were to the injury-plagued 49ers on Sunday night. Mm-hmm. And the Bills. The the Bills. And the Bills game, the Bills were up by 25 points. And they came back. And they came back, but then they lost the game. And we thought the Bills were beast, and the last few weeks have exposed the Bills as less than we thought they were. So I don't know who the Rams are. So then the Rams, though, have the Dolphins this week in Tua's first game. Mm-hmm. They have the Seahawks next week. And then they have the Bucks, And then the Niners. I think in the next four games, we're going to kind of see – who they are. Yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised if they're a playoff team because set with the seven teams making the playoffs this year, I can see them hanging around that six or seven. But I don't know if they're as good as their record indicates. So they might be a good, bad team, but right now we're going to keep them as a good team. I would say the jury is still out. Okay. And then what about the Niners? They're bad. They're a bad, good team. No, they're a good, bad team. 
They're four and three. They're four and three. So they, that wouldn't even really qualify them because they're above 500. But they're about to go through a brutal stretch of their schedule. So they have Seahawks, Packers, by No, yeah, Seahawks, Packers, by Saints, Rams. Saints, Rams, Bills. That's awful. Like, that's just going to be a tough schedule. I think the 49ers will end up being a good, bad team at the end of the season. And that's still why I think Jimmy G will not be there next season. But it's a tough schedule, and you've been so roughed up by injuries. I think it's also going to be tough for you to have go from being in the Super Bowl to not to being number four in your division. It is, but the NFC West is a tough division this year. Like you're looking at the teams before the season, we were talking about maybe four teams from the NFC West making the playoffs. Yeah, a complete division making the playoffs, which would be unheard of because it was literally impossible until this year. And I think there's a there's still a chance of looking at the records because at four and three, you're still like you said above five hundred. So what's interesting to me is I think that last playoff spot, the number seven spot, or the, I guess the number six and seven spot is going to be a three-way dance between the 49ers, the Rams, and the Saints. Yeah, I think so too. And I think one of those teams is going to be left out in the cold. And I'm very curious to see who it is. And I'm hoping it's not the Niners. This is a good possibility it might be based on the schedule lined up. I'm looking at the schedule. I think the 49ers are going to be the first one out. Yeah. But that doesn't mean I believe in them any less. I just don't believe in Jimmy G. Hey, shout out to the NFC East for having to get a team in there, you know? (laughs) And the AFC East, we have the Bills, who I think are a good team. I think they're good, but I don't think they're the Super Bowl contender they looked like when they started. Yeah. Because after getting undressed by the Titans and the Chiefs, I, and Josh Allen looking awful in both those games, plus against the Jets, the offense goes as he goes, and their defenses fell apart. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if they are a Super Bowl contender, but they should be able to win that division. Miami's three and three. I think Miami. Miami's three and three. I think they are a. Bad, bad team. <laughs> I don't really know because I, I think with this magic, they looked okay in three games and they looked terrible in three games. And that's why they're three and three. But with Tua, I, who knows? What really. I wouldn't be surprised if Miami is mediocre because I think Miami is going to be one of those teams hanging around the fringes of the playoff race when the season ends. Yeah. Because they still got to play the Patriots again, who have looked awful. They still have to play the Jets again. They still play, well, they have to play the NFC West, and that's what's tough. Mm-hmm. So they got beat up by the Seahawks, but they beat up on the 49ers. They still got to play the Rams this week, and they've still got to play the Cardinals. You play the Rams this week, Cardinals next week. Yeah. So if they can split those games, they might be able to make the playoffs. New England is a bad team. Do you think Cam's hurt? Um, I think he's still feeling after effects from COVID. Because he's been real bad the last couple of weeks. And it's I been know two was... weeks, and it's been after he's had the two weeks COVID. Because he actually has symptoms, and he was actually sick. Mm-hmm. He wasn't asymptomatic. So I think that Cam is just sick. Because the receivers have been bad, too. And the running game has been bad, too. And the running game has been bad. But 
they were at least a passable offense with Cam prior to all the COVID stuff because mm-hmm. they were just running. But I think also teams have figured out that we can just put 10 dudes in the box and make Cam beat us with his arm and the receivers can't do it, which is crazy because this dude made the Super Bowl with Philly Brown and Ted Ginn Jr. as his two receivers. So I, I think we just need to give them I, – I really want to give Cam more time. I don't feel like – I feel like Cam looked good at the beginning of the season in the first two weeks, and then he got COVID, and then I wouldn't describe good. I wouldn't call him good because they still couldn't pass the ball. They passed against the Seahawks, but so you and I could pass against the Seahawks. But I don't know if that's on Cam though, because the passes looked fine early. The passes looked fine. Guys just weren't in their spots from what it looked like. I mean, it's we'll wait and see. They play the Bills this week. I think that's going to tell us a lot about both teams. Both teams. And the Jets are just awful. Ad, fire Adam Gase. Well, he should have been fired a long time ago. Like when they're they zero seven. How fire Adam Gase? So they're tanking for Trevor, and Trevor may not come out. Right. So you know what the best part about Trevor Lawrence not coming out this year? They're probably going to be this bad again next year. Save Sam Darnold. Somebody save Sam Darnold. Yeah. 49ers send him a fourth round pick. Yeah. I, I him on the Niners might not be terrible. I we don't know if Sam Darnold is good or bad because he's only been coached by Adam Gase. But I think Adam Gase is the worst coach in football. Yeah. It's been a long it's, time. It's not even close. Yeah, and I don't think it's that close. This week the Jets play the Chiefs. How many yards does Le'Veon Bell have combined. I think he's only going to get like 60 in a touchdown. Really? Yeah, I don't think Andy Reid will feed his revenge game narrative. I think it's just going to be you'll split time with uh, Clyde. We'll make sure you get your touchdown, but we're not going to feed you. I feel like Andy Reid, though, has let guys get revenge on their old teams before. I don't think that will be the case this week. Okay. Pittsburgh, good team. Great team. 6 0. So there was a stat uh, that was during the broadcast of the Titans and Steelers game. And they said this is only the third time that two teams have met each other um, where both of them were undefeated after after week six. Mm -hmm. Of the two games prior, both teams made the Super Bowl. Okay. So they're. Putting that out in the universe that Steelers are Super Bowl contenders. Okay. And I believe it. The only thing is, is uh, Ben kind of has a noodle arm right now. So I don't know if they'll be able to stretch the field vertically enough for the offense to get there. Well, Deontay Johnson looks really good. Yeah, when he's healthy. Chase Claypool really coming on. Juju, I think, is is a number two guy. I think he's always been a number two guy, and I think he is a number two guy. I think Juju benefits greatly from somebody else taking that pressure off because you saw the first game he looked good and Deontay Johnson played the whole game. The second game he looked all right. That was the game Deontay Johnson got hurt. He has been very bad for most weeks. And then Deontay Johnson played the whole game for the first time since week one this week. And Juju looked good again. Yeah. I don't think Juju is a the number one, but I think he is a overqualified number two. Right, but not quite. The manager, but like a really strong assistant manager. Yes. Baltimore, good team. Five and one. Good team, but their offense looks broken. 
They need to figure, figure out how out. to pass the ball. Just got to figure it out. Five and one. Cleveland, five and two. They are a bad good team. Yeah. Yeah. No, they're a good bad team. They're, they're, they're look a good, good bad team. They look good, but they are bad. Yeah. And I heard an interesting theory this week that they think with Odell tearing his ACL, Baker will actually play 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 better because he doesn't feel like he has to feed Odell the ball. Yeah. So we're going to see. This week is going to be a real telling. It'll be real telling. I don't know if Baker is good. He looked good as a rookie when he didn't have to feed Odell. And then last year they stopped doing what he was good at because Freddie Kitchens wanted to show that he was an offensive genius and he fired the rest of the staff because he was not smart. <laughs> he got fired. Then you bring in Kevin Stefanski who wants to run the ball, but the team is banged up. Yeah. And so he has to throw the ball. So he has to throw the ball, but he's trying to feed Odell, which hasn't worked. And Jarvis Landry has looked awful this year. He's been hurt. But Jarvis has been yeah, hurt. Yeah, he came hurt. into the season hurt. But my point is he's looked bad. I'm wondering if losing Odell, Ewing theory, this will be liberating for Baker. Yeah. I think I think Odell's a good Ewing theory guy. Bill Simmons, Bill Simmons Ewing theory is that when you lose the best player on your team, the team plays better without you. Yeah. And uh and you saw how well Baker played, I mean granted against the Bengals, but he played great. Well, that speaks to the Bengals because I think the Bengals are actually a bad good team. They're one in five. They Joe Burrow's looked great. AJ Green early in the season they were trying to feed AJ Green. Yeah, and they stopped. I think AJ Green is just bad now. Since they stopped, the offense has really moved. The defense is not great, but the offense has really been moving. Yeah. Joe Mixon's hurt right now. Giovanni Bernard still looked fine last week. And they lost. But I mean you have a rookie quarterback. But I think they're a bad good team. Their defense is still really bad. And I think that's going to be a problem for them is as good as Joe Burrow has been, because he doesn't look like a rookie, that defense is not doing him any favors. Mm -hmm. So until they learn how to stop someone, I think they're just going to be bad. Tennessee, they good team. They're a good team. The Colts are a good, bad team. They're four and two. They're four and two. I Phil Rivers has not impressed me in one bit. Well, he did when he came back against the Bengals. <laughs> Moving on. The Texans are a bad, bad team. <laughs> yes, they're a bad, and bad team. They don't have a draft pick. <laughs> How do you, so you fire Bill O'Brien strikes again. So Bill O'Brien trades away all their picks, trades away their best player in DeAndre Hopkins, which is saying something because they had Deshaun Watson. So now you're bad, you don't have a coach, and you don't have a way to rebuild. Are they about to tear this whole thing to the ground? Yeah, burn light it all on fire. So do you it's like, gonna be Deshaun and that's it. Yeah. I'll just say, is Deshaun the only untouchable one? Because they just signed Laramie Tunson to the big deal. But they're gonna need to recoup draft picks because yeah. they sent two draft two first round picks to get Laramie Tunsil. You you burn it all to the ground and you just hope that Deshaun sticks around and tells them. We're going to rebuild around you. You know what's crazy is when the Dolphins made that trade last year and gave up Laramie Tunsil, mm-hmm. did they really think that they'd be in contention for a top five pick again this year because the Texans are that bad? <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah. Like the Texans were making the playoffs every year under Bill O'Brien. And now the, it's just, it's falling apart. It's falling apart. Bill O'Brien, the GM, fired Bill O'Brien, the coach. <laughs> Jacksonville. They're a bad team. 
I thought that they were going to be a good bad team, uh-huh. but they have just been bad. Their defense has not been good, and apparently Gardner Minshew's been playing with a screwed up thumb for the which last makes, month, which makes me feel better because Gardner hasn't looked good. And I thought Gar- I love Gardner's energy. Yeah, he has like big dick Nick energy. Yeah, and this past month he's been bad. He has been bad, but and if his throwing hand thumb is messed up. I get it. Then. Yeah, multiple fractures in his thumb plus a torn ligament. You can't grip the ball. If you can't grip the ball, you're going <laughs> to sail passes. You're not going to be as accurate. That offense is what carried them to a mediocre record last year. Right. I thought that he would be good enough for them not be in contention for the first overall pick. He was hurt, but he didn't say anything. And that might be an indictment on him when it's time for them to draft because they might be like, well, he's not the answer because he played poorly. But the reason he played poorly is because Well, it came out hurt. this week that he's, that he's been hurt for a month. Yeah. So that helps. That helps his case. Does it? Because it shows that he doesn't have the maturity to be a leader because he's not ah. putting the team before himself. I think he is. He knows that they need him out there. So he's out there trying to play. He's playing through injury. Yeah, but you're obviously not playing your best. So do you want people to just think you're bad? That's the question that they're going to have to ask themselves come draft time. Because that's what he just did. It's tough. Kansas City. Kansas good City's team. good. The Raiders. I think they're 3-3. Three and three. I think they are a bad, good team. I think they are too. I think I, I see a lot of hope when I watch these Las Vegas teams. Yeah, the defense is getting better week by week, even though they just got torched by Tom Brady. But who hasn't at this point? Mm-hmm. The Bears haven't. The Saints haven't. We didn't watch that game. Um, but the offense is getting better. Yes. Henry Ruggs has been far more productive than I thought he would be as a rookie. Brian Edwards still out. Still out. Uh, Nelson Aguilar, who knew that this dude can catch balls? Uh, people in Philly didn't. They, did, they didn't believe it, and I saw it, and he didn't do it. <laughs> do you think Philly fans will try to get him back with Nick Foles? <laughs> get them both. <laughs> I mean, if you're taking a road trip to Chicago to pick up Nick, you can come to Vegas and get Nelson. Might as well could swing by and get Nagalar. Yeah. Uh, Nagalar. <laughs> Aguilar. <laughs> Nelson Aguilar. I, Derek Carr is not bad. I've been saying this forever. I think the kid's good. He's not. I think he is similar to Andy Dalton, that he plays to the level of the talent around him. So Andy Dalton had years where he was great. Yep. Derek Carr has had seasons where he was great. I think that he's going to play to the level that you set him up for. So if you put the weapons around him and scheme him up, he's going to be good. If you don't have talent around him, he will be bad. Yeah. And they now have talent around them. Yeah. Chargers are a good or a bad, good team. Yes, they are. They find weird ways to lose just like the Falcons. And I told you earlier, Justin Herbert was keeping this job. Yeah. It took him a little while. I feel bad for Tyra Taylor, though. You, know, you get stabbed in the lung. It is what it is. Tyrod is it's just tough. But, you know, Justin Herbert looked really good. Shouts to him. I mean, Justin Herbert unlocked the offense. Yeah. Tyrod was, he was taking care of the ball. It was, it was only one week. We don't know. So I don't want you to indict this man right here. All I'm saying is he didn't get the ball to Keenan Allen. He didn't get the ball to Austin. It was week one. He didn't get the ball. Then he got stabbed in the lung. All I'm saying is Herbert got the ball to Keenan Allen. (laughs) 
Got the ball. Not in the Henry. first week. Not in the first week. His first week either. And then week three on, yeah. Give a guy a week. Well, Keenan Allen got hurt that game. Give a guy a week. Austin Eckler. He was looking great until he got hurt. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, the Chargers, I think they're a they're a, a bad, good team. Well, it's going gonna to round out. With uh, Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram, their defense is set up for success. I really wish Derwin James wasn't out this year because I would have loved to see what that defense looked like. I think we'll see it next year. It's going to be stout. I think they're going to be good, man, for a while. Oh, yeah. I think they're going to be the second best team in the AFC West. For a while. For a while after the Chiefs. And it's not their fault because the Chiefs. Yeah. And then the uh, Broncos, I think they're a bad, good team too. I think they are. I think that they've been too banged up because this was an evaluation year for Drew Locke, who got hurt. You lost Cortland Sutton to an ACL. You lost Vaughn Miller. Like you were supposed to have Vaughn Miller and Bradley Chubb, two very good pass rushers. So both on offense and defense, you just, you've been banged up. And, so, and then at the running back position, you've had Melvin Gordon hurt. You've had Philip Lindsay hurt. Philip Lindsay might miss extended time. Yeah. It's just been rough. So I think, oh, Noah Font got hurt. Yep. I was just say, I think they're a, a bad, good team. They have a bad record, but I think they're going to be. In, in, yeah. The AFC West in general. Man, the West is just going to be NFC and the AFC West. The West is just going to be lights out. Yeah. So, yeah, I was going to say the AFC West, I don't think it's as bad as their record as a division indicates. The NFC East is just as bad as that record indicates. <laughs> They're bad. Yeah. So my fans, my friends that are Philly fans, sorry. Bronco fan, uh, Cowboy fan friends, sorry. But Philly fans, again, if you want to take that road trip after the season to pick up uh, Nick Foles and Nelson, stop by. Drop a line. We can hang out. <laughs> Switching gears. I want to talk about basketball real quick. Real fast. How do you feel about the season starting in December? I've always thought that the basketball season should be pushed back to kick off on Christmas Day. I think Christmas Day should be the first day of games because it's a national showcase where you have those five games by itself. So you get eyeballs on all your stars. It's kind of a way to set up the uh, the expectations of these are going to be the good teams. These are going to be the storylines to watch. You can crown your champions in front of the world. Mm-hmm. Because there, there's nothing else going against it. I think the season should carry in to July, potentially August, because you dodge all of the NFL schedule. Like, you're starting as football's going into the playoffs. Currently. So, that's perfect. You're playing in the dog days of summer for baseball. So, you're going to pull eyeballs from that. You Like, the NBA playoffs should be May to July. So maybe you shorten the season a little bit to get there since the season is six months. I'm talking about a five-month season. And then you have them done right before the Olympics on Olympic years. Let them play. Or you let them. You go until August, and then on Olympic years, you just don't have an all-star break so that you can finish early. What about Summer League? Summer League, it doesn't matter if Summer League runs against the NFL. Summer League can be in September. Okay. What about the draft? The draft would be... End the of week August. Before, two weeks before. Yeah, you do the draft the week before the NFL kicks off. Like, you do it. Like, I think the NBA draft, because it is very, I think all drafts should be on the weekend. I don't like that the NFL moved their draft to prime time Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I think it should be Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Mm-hmm. Because that Friday night, I should be raging while watching the picks. Yeah. But no, I got to go to work on Friday. Right. So I think that the 
draft should be in September. The playoffs should probably run until late July, early August. Start the season on Christmas. You could actually do the draft like two weeks after the season ends. Because guys with the high draft picks have had months to evaluate what they're going to do. Yeah, because the playoffs are two months long. Yeah, so they've had months to figure out what they're going to do. You could do it like, yeah, the week after, two weeks after, because the team that won the championship, they have a low draft pick anyway, and they have scouts on this job anyway. Like, they have guys. The biggest problem with the NBA and the season can be expedited. Like, even if you want to eliminate back-to-backs because you don't want teams to play that much, the playoffs drag on because you have teams going two or three days between games so that you can have as many games on TV as possible. It's not about like, I understand that you want the ratings because you want the money, mm-hmm. but at a point you're doing yourself a disservice by dragging the season on, right? Get those games out of the way. Like there's no reason why in the conference finals this year with everyone in the bubble, there was a three day, there was a three day break in the East finals so that the West could catch up. Right. Like it was unnecessary. I shouldn't be going a day without basketball unless there's no one to play. Are they going to do the playoffs in the bubble again? Depends on COVID. COVID's still going on. I think they do again. I think they do too. Big brother. Let's Co- switch gears. Big brother. Congrats to Cody. Cody swept. He swept. He won. It was a foregone conclusion. Never saw the block. You're the group you put in, in uh, the group you put together was in control the whole time. Is what's going to happen when you do that. The last shot they had at getting Cody out was the week that Memphis went home. They would have had to backdoor Cody then. But if that happens, I think Memphis just finishes the game the way Cody did. I think so too. And that's why I don't think this season was particularly enjoyable was because the best players teamed up and they didn't take shots against each other. Do you think Cody is an all-time player? I think so. I don't. Because there was no adversity. There wasn't any adversity, but he controlled the game from the get-go. Right, which is why I don't think I think adversity pressure makes uh pressure makes diamonds. Yeah. And I think the fact that Cody was able to put together an alliance and had Nicole, who he played in 16 with, there from the beginning and had her as a loyal soldier the whole way. Uh, There was no one trying to make any moves. Everybody was just trying to get in and go with him week one, week two, and then it just stayed that way. I think the most compelling conversation we can have coming out of this finale is did Enzo talk himself out of a pity vote because he didn't own any of his game moves? He would have he, Enzo was never going to win, unfortunately. Like I said, a pity vote. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, I don't know that he did because I, I one thing I like about All Star seasons for the most part, they normally reward the best player. Yeah. Because they don't because they've played before. So I think All Star seasons have less chance of being bitter and petty. And I think that's how Cody was able to win. I don't think Enzo would have gotten a pity vote either way. I also thought it was really funny when they were showing the jury deliberate um, in the house and they talk about jury management and David was like, what's that? And I was like, oh yeah, you're still a rookie. <laughs> rookie. This... Shouts to him. Shouts to Devon for winning America's favorite player, man. Uh, that was the most exciting thing I saw all night. Oh man, she was so happy. Yeah. I, I love Devon. 
Bachelorette, this week has been rough. The season's been rough to this point. I genuinely felt like this might have been the week that the show jumped the shark. Explain. So you start off with a normal for the show fight with Yosef and Claire. I don't think so. That was next level. Yosef was a clown. He's a clown. But like, I don't think that that fight was outside of the realm of normal for that show. As in, he went after her for he was he was going for his 15 minutes of fame and no i've never seen a bachelor or bachelorette season where a contestant was so disrespectful to the lead yes but they were setting it up like i i don't think that fight happens if claire isn't one foot out of the door already i don't think i don't think it does i think it still does i think yusuf is just a terrible person yeah, he so the worst part about that fight is he was mansplaining why he had the right to be upset. And Claire was, I hear you, I'm listening. He's like, No, but you're not. And she's like, No, but I am though. Yeah, and she was. And she brought like he brought up how he left his daughter for this opportunity. And she said, I left my dying mother. And he still was like, Yeah, but I left my daughter. You offended me. You're wrong. And at that point, Claire was the most sympathetic she's been all season. She offended him on a date that he wasn't on. Exactly. And she and they showed two clips of her asking guys that were on the date that she doesn't plan. She doesn't make these dates. She also didn't make the guys get naked. Correct. She got them down to their underwear. And ABC likes to take liberties with the blackout square to censor things that aren't actually offensive. But nobody made those dudes drop their underwear. And they did it for fun. Yeah. They chose to do that. And they chose to walk back naked. But then for him to to be a jerk about it, ridiculous. Ridiculous. Yusuf's a clown. He wanted to be a villain. He got his wish. How are you upset about guys that are not upset? They're not upset. Yeah, exactly. Well, all the other guys were like, yeah, we're going to give you enough rope to hang yourself. Go ahead. So that happened. And like I said... It was a nasty fight. I'll give you that because I don't think you're wrong. It was a nasty fight. But I don't think that fight felt that unusual for the show compared to everything else that happened after it during the episode. Okay, go on. So after you have that, you have Claire talking to Deanna? I don't know her name. She was before I started watching the show. Bachelorette 6 or something like that. Yeah, so she 12 years ago. That was a long time ago. Yeah. So you have... Claire talking to her and it the conversation turns to Dale, which becomes a huge topic of the episode. And she talks about glowingly about Dale. Mm -hmm. So it looked like a setup for this girl is going to be, this is the debrief before we go to the group date and you participate in this group date with me meeting the guys. Cause Claire talks about, I can't wait for you to meet him. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden the, group date is canceled right but they never gave a valid reason why claire canceled the group date so that was weird because it riled the guys up because the guys are like well now i'm losing my time because i didn't get to go on the group date right so then you go to the night date and dale pulls the can i borrow you do you think that the group date got canceled because of some kind of uh producer or something i mean obviously the producer or something 
Claire doesn't cancel dates. Like she doesn't like she physically cannot just cancel the date. Even if she's not feeling well, they're going to make her go on the date. Yeah. Um, I think that maybe they, whatever they were going to do, maybe like, let's say they were going to do something with goats and the ghost didn't arrive or something like that. I don't know what the date was. Yeah. But like, does. it was a production. I'm, I'm prob- pretty sure it was probably a production snafu where they were supposed to have something or a celebrity during COVID and it just didn't work out. I, I don't think it's celebrity because I think the girl. Maybe not a celebrity, but like, I think there was a production, something on the production side where they were going to set something up. Mm-hmm. Deanna was going to be there. They couldn't get the obstacle course set up or something, yeah. like whatever it was. And they're like, which is why could they, they mention how she was like, and they were waiting around for it. Maybe, but like, why don't you just have a pool party? Because they probably just didn't, trend, they just probably didn't pivot. So they didn't pivot, but like, at what point, I guess this is more of a question for the guy's mental health is like, at what point did you know the date was canceled? Because you obviously waited until the end of the day to tell the guys because they were just sitting there. So now they're sitting there getting riled up, which is already a problem because Claire has already read the dudes the riot act for being there for each other and not for her. So now the dudes are like, okay, we'll quote unquote do better. But now she's not showing them that same level of respect. Yes and no. Once again, I'm with you, but they mentioned how they had been waiting around. Yeah. So I'm assuming production told them that they're going to go on their date in two hours or whatever. So be ready in two hours. And then two hours arrives. Then another hour passes. Probably another hour passes. And then that's when Claire probably shows up. Four hours after they told him to be ready. Five hours after they told him to be ready. Mm -hmm. And like I said, once again, I don't think that's a Claire thing because she looked in good spirits. I think that they just had her in waiting. They, she was probably waiting the same five hours. And then they told her, all right. So I don't think she was waiting the same five hours. I think she was in the loop. I think they purposely held the guys out of the loop. You think so? I don't think so. I think so. But just knowing like reality TV, I think that Claire, they just, they based on how her reaction was, she likes it. She doesn't make decisions. Like no one makes decisions on the show, but the people oh, that put together the show. So when she's like, "I decided to cancel the, the what's it called date." True, but I think, I think Claire was in the loop because it was very apparent when Claire went in and was like, "I decided to cancel the date." She knew it wasn't happening, mm-hmm. but the guys didn't. No, the guys didn't know. No, so the guy, like I think Claire knew earlier in the day. And just assumed they knew. Well, I think the difference is that Claire knows what the date is going to be. Yes. But they don't know what the date's going to be. So if they're like, hey, we're going to have them run this off. Let's say run this obstacle course. Because when they do play dodgeball, they play at first in the ballroom. Yeah. So I think they're like, hey, we're going to have you play on this tennis courts here mm-hmm. at the La Quinta. And they're like, okay, well, the tennis courts have looked like trash. We're going to get that cleaned up. Yeah. Then she's like, okay. Then as they're cleaning it up, they're like, okay. They still look like trash. We still haven't finished cleaning them up. Yeah. We're going to wait another hour while we've been doing this. Or maybe like, I don't think it rained in LA, but like something like that. You know what I'm saying? Well, I mean, it was in July, which going back to that dodgeball date, again, how have we had no pit stains or boob sweat <laughs> when it is summer in La Quinta, which is Palm, Palm Springs. Springs? It's like 120 degrees. Yeah. So with like with that being said, I think that that was what it was, is that something that's why I keep saying production wise that I think they she was in the loop that she knew what the thing was supposed to be, and then after like so many hours, they're like, "We're just going to cancel that part and we're going to go right to the the end of it." Okay, so so you have that. So then you move to that night date, and Dale jumps up on the opportunity to let me borrow her 
and then they disappear for an hour to make out. Yeah. Until Easy comes and finds him, mm-hmm. and Dale has to hide his boner. Mm-hmm. Because they've been making out. <laughs> Rolled around in the bed. Yeah. I mean, you saw him looking for a, a pillow, a jacket, anything to cover his crotch. It was, he was so awkward, and it was so funny. It was hilarious. But I understand why the dudes are upset, because you already missed out on that time during the day. Yeah. And now you're watching this dude just eat up an hour of your time. And you have all had the conversation of being respectful to each other and being a team player. And then this dude just went into business for himself. (laughs) And you very obviously walked into an awkward situation. So then all these dudes have time. And then Dale comes back and tries to get more time. Well, he gets more time. And is granted it. (laughs) He gets more time. Because Claire wasn't done making out with him. True. But production did her no favors. By edit, speed editing the other guys. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I mean they've they've edited Claire to look bad most of the time. Yes, because she has already decided that Dale's her guy. Mm-hmm. So it is what it is. But I think Claire is doing the job right. But they've de- decided that she's going to be off. I think. Well, unfortunately, they had the benefit of hindsight. Because they knew she was leaving early, so they could edit it to fit that narrative. Do you think versus this, if this was Big Brother, right? And they were finding out in real time, like if this was a daily show like Love Island, uh-huh. I don't think Claire gets a villain edit. Do you think this is a hit job? What I mean by that is that, from my sources, say that Tasha was always set to come in and replace Claire. They had already decided that mm-hmm. early. Okay. Claire's notoriously the oldest bachelorette. Yeah. Mike Fleiss, who is the executive producer of The Bachelor and mm-hmm. The Bachelorette, he, if you ever watched the show Unreal, um, which is a scripted show that used to be on Lifetime that ended its, its series on Hulu, mm-hmm. it was a, it was a bachelor parody. It was a bachelor parody written and produced by former bachelor producers. Okay. So the team that put the show together were using real world knowledge of how the show went. Okay. Their Mike Fleiss guy is a very seedy kind of guy that is very much a misogynist, mm-hmm. which would make sense on the format of the show. Okay. So I say all that because. Do you think that Mike Fleiss did not want to have someone like Claire who's older? He originally casted guys that were in their mid to early 20s. Yeah. Which is what he normally would cast. But Claire's 38. Yeah, he wants the young hot group. Correct. And that's what his character's like on Unreal. And based on his casting, I think that's who he is as a person. Probably. So do you think this is always a hit job? Not the editing. They ended up Catching gold with finding Dale. Yeah. But do you think they always were going to make Claire look as bad as possible to try to get you to not want a older bachelorette again? I don't think so because I think it would have turned the fan base against them. Wouldn't it they're bringing in Taisha anyway? If they were always going to bring in Taisha, because Taisha was in, in the running. Taisha and Tia were both the two in the running yes. to be the bachelorette. True, but I think with Claire... People have been like clamoring for Claire for years. Correct. Which is why I'm asking you, do you think it was a hit job? So you clamor for Claire, you make her look bad no matter what happens. 
then you still bring in the young girl that you want. I I don't know. I don't. Claire had to still have a lot of self-inflicted wounds yeah. for it to work. But that's the only reason I don't think so. I wouldn't rule it out, but I don't think that's the Just case. an idea based on seeing, watching Unreal and then watching the casting and Mike Fleiss's comments in the media over the years, the 20 years. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't rule it out. So, but what you're saying does feed into the next part. Cause after you do the date with the guys where she burns through all the guys and then gives Dale the rose for the night. Cause it, they did edit it to make it look very much like she just didn't care. Mm-hmm. She was there for Dale, no one else. So then the next day she has the one-on-one date with Zach, Zach, Zach? anonymous white guy. Right. There's a lot of them. And the whole date, she says how she's opening up, but the date looks like she's not giving him the time of day. Right. So you go through that and they're hanging out in the pool and he's hanging out with the dog. Like he looked comfortable. Right. He was trying to get to know her. He didn't know what to do. They go to leave to get ready for the night. She goes in for the kiss. She goes 80%. He doesn't come back to 20%. So she stops. So she stops. He didn't pull away. but He didn't lean in. He didn't lean in. She freaks out Mm because he didn't go in. He was like, oh, wait, I'm sorry. This is where it got extremely uncomfortable because then he starts grabbing her by the neck trying to kiss her. And she's saying, no, Mm -hmm. you don't always have consent. Like, mm-hmm. consent is in the moment. She consented when she tried to kiss you. You don't get to put your hands on her and try to kiss her. Correct. And he did it twice. twice. And that was very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And he's sitting here trying to convince her, oh, no, it's fine. It's okay. Just kiss me. She's like, I don't want to. If she doesn't want to, get your hands off of her. Correct. And they show that. And then... She leaves and she she does what any woman would do in that situation, which is just, let's go get ready. Like, she doesn't say, get off me. She doesn't run away. She's just trying to remove herself from the situation while not making him feel bad. Which, if you're uncomfortable like that, say something. Do something. You have producers and cameramen and everyone and she else did, there. Which is why she doesn't meet him for the dinner. And they, Chris Harrison comes out and says, and, hey, bro, your time's up. Yeah, which is at the at, upon airing, I thought it was weird because they made it a point to show him walking away saying, oh, it was just a mistake. And they show her crying saying, why does nobody want me? That's not what that was. That was him getting a little rapey. Mm-hmm. And it was super uncomfortable. Yep. So I 100% like on the night of viewing, I was like, that was weird that Chris came with the benefit of hindsight and thinking about it throughout the week. There was no other way to do it because realistically, Claire should not be putting herself around that guy again after seeing that. Correct. So you cut him, but you still make it a point to give him a sympathetic edit by, oh, it was a mistake. Oh, it was bad. Don't march him out there for that dinner. Just be like, you put your hands on her. You got to go. That is not You do that so that way you make it look like Claire is the bad guy. Exactly. And like that is that was awful towards Claire. Like that edit job was awful towards Claire. So moving past that, because that made my blood boil. You go to the next group date and it's a roast. Mm-hmm. Has Claire never seen a roast before? <laughs> I'm sure she has. Because, again, they edited it to make her look horrible. Because even in the end credits, she roasts the guy. She knows what a roast is. Yeah. But they 
And I'm sure they roasted everyone. 100%. I mean, Bennett said he had, what, 43 jokes? Or not Bennett. Uh, Joe said he had 43 jokes, and she latched onto the one about Dale. I think that the edit made it look like they were hammering Dale. It it did, but they obviously were all talking about each other because that's how a roast works. works. That's how a bachelor works. roast works. But you do the roast, and then you go to the night date, and they make... Claire looked like an over-obsessed girlfriend. And then Dale wasn't even there. And Dale wasn't even there. But it Why showed wasn't her Dale there? He wasn't part of that group date. He was part of the audience. He was oh, part of the right. first group date. So you have every dude go get their time with Claire. And all they're showing is her asking each dude individually about Dale. Which does her no favors. But I am I'm very, sure she asked about jokes. I'm sure she asked about general. jokes. Yeah. And like... If she really did only ask about Dale, I 100% understand why the guys feel like there's no reason for them to be there. But if she's asking about jokes and then hammering in on Dale, this show is becoming overproduced because they're feeding into the narrative of you should talk about Dale. And I don't think they they were saying that. I think they were. she asked about everybody, uh-huh. jokes about everybody. I think they showed the jokes that she had when she asked about Dale. I think that she did probably think that the jokes about Dale were a little bit more mean-spirited because they seemed like they were. Yeah. And so she might have been asking about those those jokes, but then they do clips where someone's like, hey, like a producer says to them, hey, make sure you, what do you think is up with her and Dale? And then that guy's like, yeah, she does look, look at Dale differently than the rest of us. Yeah. And then he says that to the other guys because he's now had the producer in his ear. Because that's, that's the producer's job is yeah. to get this conversation going. And so that's why I think it's a hit job. Mm-hmm. That's why I think Mike Fly set up a hit job. And Dale happened to be the catalyst. But I think that Claire was always going to be going to have to take the fall. Because I think Mike Fly is not a great dude. That makes sense. And like I had never thought about it. And what you're saying makes sense. I still don't think that that's necessarily the case. Because I, I think that Tasha. I think Mike Fleiss doesn't like necessarily care too much about minorities. Nope. And I don't think that he cares about older women. Nope. But I mean, we talked about this in the last episode we did where Rachel said she was not going to participate if they did not increase their diversity. Correct. And I think that he feels that women of color are exotic. Mm -hmm. So Tasha was always in the running because Tasha's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And so, I, and which is like Rachel's gorgeous and super smart, mm-hmm. and so he's like, okay, these women are now in the running, and I use air quotes for running because he wants to maybe use them to trot them out there. Mm-hmm. But the fan base was clamoring for Claire and women that are older, so he's like, I'll give you an older lady, I'll give you Claire, and I'll show you why you don't want her. Yeah, and then because Tasha's thirty, which is ancient by Bachelor standards, right? Normally, yeah, and so. She, we have this 30-year-old woman that's going to be on there next. But he's like, Claire's too old, and I'll show you why. And then he like said, this is perfect. This is great stuff. Print this stuff. Make Claire look terrible. You know what I really don't like about having older contestants? We don't. We got all real jobs. <laughs> give, give me back the social media consultant job. Give me back Twin. Twin was one of the greatest job labels I had ever seen. It's true. It's true. It, it's it's tough. The, the episode ends with the guy saying maybe we need a new bachelorette, 
And then we get in the in the smash cut for next week. A mm-hmm. uh, picture of Tasha beautifully coming out the water, and the water cascading off her. It was great. I mean, that was a really long shot of Tasha coming out the water. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like I got a little uncomfortable. I didn't. I was like, this is this is very long. I was very comfortable. She she looked great, and I was excited for her. And then the fan base was also excited for her on Twitter yeah. because they did a great job of making Claire look bad. That the fan base feels like Claire's bad. Yeah. I feel like, once again, that's why I keep saying it's a hit job. I think that was always his place. His job was, his goal was to make Tasha look, make Claire look bad, and then it worked. So, at what point next week do we get Tasha? I think we get Tasha halfway through the episode. Okay. Um, I think we get her halfway through the episode. I think the first half will be resolving Claire. Uh huh. And then we get Tasha halfway through. And then my other question is, do you think they bring dudes back for Tasha? No. I think they get bring a couple new dudes in. Because mm-hmm. uh, I think she's only at 16 dudes right now. Yeah. So I think they give her maybe like four or five more, more dudes. Mm-hmm. So get her like 2021. 20, um, but I think I don't think nobody leaves. I think, I think they still stick around. Yeah. I think Dale leaves. I think she Dale takes and Claire Dale. leave. Yeah. And then I think the rest of them stick around. How hilarious would it be if Claire's like, let's go, Dale. And he's like... I'm here to win. I'm gonna go ahead and stick around. And <laughs> that's another thing. I think that I think Dale's actually really into Claire. I think he is. I know that the edit makes it seem like he's not, but the way he like goes up to her after Yusuf is a jerk. Yes. The way that he like sticks up, like is the first one of the first ones, even though they highlighted him talking when in the date before when she said, Is anybody not here for me? Are you guys just blowing down? Yeah. And he like Talks to her. They edited it that way, so it looked like she was only listening to Dale, and Dale was only talking to her. But his words seemed really genuine. So, I mean, I, one of my good friends, uh, Leah, texted me and said I, she felt like that Dale wasn't really there for Claire, and I disagree because when they have the conversations that they have, they're very much "I already know you" conversations. Yeah, and I think that he is a genuine dude. Also. I do think he is genuinely into her because after their hot and heavy makeout session and easy breaks it up, he did come back. He came looking for her. He came looking for her and circled the wagon. So there is some interest there. I agree. That's the bachelorette talk. Next week, we're going to talk more about the bachelorette with Tasha showing up. Yep. I want to talk about one of my favorite shows right now. We're going to get up out of here soon. Supermarket sweep. So good to be back. Man, I, I like Leslie Jones. I do not. I you said that. I would if you haven't watched, so Supermarket Sweep is a show where you go and you do the big sweep where you run through, you get groceries, you total them up, and then you win a prize. That's Which, the gist of it. One thing I learned about Supermarket Sweep, inflation is real. They rarely cracked a thousand dollars back in the day. Now they're doing three grand. Yeah. So each episode of Supermarket Sweep that airs on Sundays on ABC mm-hmm. has two episodes, two half-hour episodes in the episode. This week, though, I want to talk about the second episode, the second part of it, mm-hmm. which had Team Allspice, which was Mary Stewart and Andrew, Team Tortellini, which was Madison and Michelle, who are a mother-daughter couple, okay, and Team Cobbler, which is Giovanna and Kevin, who are a married couple. Mm-hmm. Right. First off, they give them these team names based on like a food item in the grocery store. Yep. But what would our team? What would our team be? Team pizza. <laughs> uh, team frozen pizza. Probably team, not. Team frozen pizza. 
What would we be? What would our team? team Doritos. Team Doritos. What Cheetos. We, we used to be roommates. What do we eat a lot of? Uh, ramen because we were poor. Team ramen because we were poor. <laughs> that would be it. so. Kevin, CJ, Team Ramen. So they do they do an initial game because everybody starts with two minutes of time. Yes. For the big sweep at the end, which they start with ninety seconds. So two up. minutes, a little bit more, more time. time. They then do one thing where she says something that's a pun. And then you got to go run and find the can with the sticker on it. I, they haven't figured that part out yet. It's the item with the sticker. Which, it, it's always been like that. But Have you never seen the show? They haven't seemed to figure that out. Yeah. So I watched them like run. I forgot what the thing was, but like if it's something that rhymes with foil, there says something, something oil. Yeah. Something, something blank. And then you got to write, oh, aluminum foil. And then you got to run and go grab, grab the aluminum foil. Yeah, watching them get to the foil and then no one finds no one finds it, and then one guy finally finds it. And this one, Team Allspice, uh, no, and Team Cobbler, Kevin grabbed it and like did like a spin move, but he reached over the two in front of him because he wasn't the first one there. No, no, it was great. Yeah, so they get back, they introduce the teams, then they play three like quick games to get more time for the big sweep. Mm -hmm. This time they played stars. They're just like groceries, which was a star. Like Ryan Reynolds, and then the last part item. is a grocery item. So like Ryan Ryan Reynolds rap. Yep. And they say like a, a thing about Deadpool, so that way you can guess Ryan Reynolds. Mm -hmm. Then it's Reynolds rap. That's what you're looking for. They did that. They played Lost and Found, where a character they had a party. Allegedly, that's a story. They had a party, and then a character left something, and then it was found in the Lost and Found, mm -hmm. such as Tony the Tiger's bandana. Mm -hmm. was lost and lost and found. So you get time based on that on, on your answers. And they did a random reveal, which was like uh, Will of Fortune. Yeah. Where letters were randomly revealed. At which the end, it took them way too long to figure out banana. Yeah. There was only one <laughs> word in the dictionary with a B and two N's like that. And then it said that you have, um, is that something in your pocket? Or are you just happy to see me? Yeah. Banana. That's what. That's what. And it took them way too long. Is there something in your cart? Are you just too happy to see? Yeah. Yeah. It was definitely banana. It took them too long. At the end of the games, Mary Stewart and Andrew, Team Allspice, had two minutes and forty seconds. Mm -hmm. Team Tortellini, Madison and Michelle had two minutes and fifty seconds. And Team Cobbler, Giovanna and Kevin, the married couple, had two minutes and forty seconds. I want to get to the big sweep. Mm -hmm. In the big sweep, you run through and you gotta collect inflatables and then groceries along with other bonus items mm -hmm. like you can a, get a cup of coffee for 300 bucks yeah there's like a blue light special type deal mm -hmm. used to be a blue light special I yeah they haven't was. had one this time it's the magic golden can yeah and you can grab a golden can and like halfway through they tell you the perina dog chow of the magic golden can you have to like grab that thing i i don't understand why they don't just grow, run in, grab an inflatable, run back. Because apparently you can only get one inflatable. You can only get one inflatable. And uh, I always thought you had to run the inflatable back when you got it. But now you're seeing them carry it around. Yeah. Which is weird to me. Yeah. Because just from a cart control standpoint, you need two hands. Right. Because if you're throwing it full of turkeys and you could now pick up appliances, like you can get like cast iron skillets and stuff, your cart is heavy. You need both hands to steer the cart because you got to be able to go. And yet they're trying to drag around this giant can of Jolly Green Giant 
greens. Mm-hmm. Take the can back. Grab the can, run back, drop it off. Yeah. So if I if I were to do supermarket sweep, my strategy would be first run in, grab the can or grab whatever inflatable I see first, mm-hmm. run it back, drop it off. Run back and grab whatever special coffee it is. Uh-huh. Run it back, drop it off. Then grab a cart. Yes. Go right for the meats. Throw all the meats in there. And don't forget the wheel of cheese while you're there. Yeah. Same section. Throw them both in, throw them all in there, run that cart back, drop it off. Mm-hmm. Grab new cart, run right to the appliances. Throw them all in there, run drop. back, drop them off. Yeah. Then at that point, the cold can starts. Run back, go to grab the can. Now, mind you, I'm only we're gonna have less than three minutes. Yes. But you gotta be moving. I think if you're making these moves quickly. You're going to end up getting it. Also, I don't know why no, no one's deployed the arm technique. You ever heard the arm technique? No. You put your arm behind the stuff and just knock everything into the car. <laughs> That's the arm technique. Yes. That's, I've yeah, seen they, this. They chuck. Yeah. One at a time. I've never understood why no one goes arm behind boxes of macaroni, push arm into cart. Arm behind whatever, yeah. push it into the cart. Which, a new strategy, which they didn't do in the original one, is people picking up the boxes of candy. Yes. Which I thought was interesting that that is a higher ticket item that people didn't go for in the past. Arm technique. You yeah. You not get the candy. In. But, like, one of the biggest problems that I have from watching the show is people spend too much time trying to neatly stack the groceries on their cart so that they can fit Just more. Just throw them in there. You have unlimited carts. Yes. Like, fill the cart. And go back. Because the other thing is, is if you overfill the cart and then you're stopping to pick stuff up because it fell off of the cart because you want to make sure you get it. You're, you're wasting time. Wasting time. Exactly. Also, Leslie has a shopping list. Mm-hmm. And you got to get three items off her shopping list to get an extra bonus. I would only do that if I'm in the area. But I would also be smart and strategic about it. Because at one point on her shopping list, she had marshmallows. Mm-hmm. And they wouldn't grab one marshmallow. I'm grabbing all the marshmallows. because. If I get them, they can. you can't get them. So I, I've i talked about that with the future wife, and a, I think there's an item limit to what you can grab. Okay. because And I say that not because people haven't done that, but because when they're in the meat section, they don't clear them out of bacon. They always only grab one wheel of cheese. I think there's a maximum on what you get credit for. Mm-hmm. So they don't take them all because of that. Because if that's the case, I would take all the cast iron skillets. I would take all the $50 turkeys. I would grab all of the organic honeys that are like 40 bucks. Yeah. And I would fill it out. Which makes There has to be limits. Yeah, there has to be limits. Because otherwise you would just take all of one thing. And whoever went first would just grab the highest price stuff. And you wouldn't be able to catch them. True. I agree. After all this though, they rack, they, they count up the points. For the groceries, mm-hmm. and they give you a dollar amount. Team Cobbler came in at $2,364. Team Allspice, which was Mary Stewart and Andrew, they came in at $2,941. But Team Tortellini won the game and came in $3,486. A lot of money. A lot of money. They get that money too, I believe. They do, or they get the groceries? No, they get that money <laughs> oh, unless like 17 they gets the hundred grand. Okay. No, they get it with it. Because they really Team Tortellini ends up winning. being the first team that they air winning the bonus game mm-hmm. and they get the hundred grand. So the bonus game is that she gives you an item it's like guys at grocery games. She gives you a, a pun. You then go and have to find the item. Once you find the item, you then come back 
and you what, throw it in your cart or whatever. Yeah. And then you get you get to you find get all five items. Once you get them all, you want 100 grand. Very nice. Once again, you're looking for the thing with a sticker on it. I don't know why people just don't look for the thing with a sticker in the area. I felt like a lot of people don't know what they're necessarily looking for because they miss the fact that it's a pun or a rhyme. So you go, you open your envelope and your timer starts. Once you get to the first item, you don't need the item. You just need the envelope on the item. You open that envelope, get the second item, do it again, get the third item. Once you get the third item, you get 25 grand. Right. At that point, you if you choose to go for the fourth item, they add 20 seconds to your timer. Yep. And the timer starts when you open the envelope, you go find the fourth item. If you get the fourth item, you go from 25 to 50 grand. They add 15 seconds to your timer. And you can go get the you last can go item. Get the last item. You get 100k. You get 100k. Clock management is very huge in this part. Mm-hmm. Cuz there are people who have wasted a lot of time looking for something because they didn't know what they were looking for. Look for the damn sticker. Sticker. There's That's... a sticker on the thing. <laughs> you just got to find the one with the sticker. Yeah. And so if you're in the area, look for a sticker. Mm-hmm. Team Tortellini does get the 100 k They also get the $3,000 that they won earlier in the game. Mm-hmm. A lot of money. A lot of fun. We will be covering Supermarkets Week weekly here. At least one of the episodes. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. I would check it out. CJ, anything else you want to talk about? I want to talk about the GOAT conversation. I do want to talk about the GOAT conversation, but I think we need to keep it brief because I we can go into this for a long time. So I don't want to talk about who's the GOAT. I want to talk about the conversation in general. So after UFC last week, Khabib, can't say his last name, Russian guy, retired at 29 and 0 mm-hmm. and immediately people are saying is he the goat i think we're too quick to anoint the goat i think that you can't really decide who the goat is without the benefit of hindsight okay like mixed martial arts is a relatively new sport but in my lifetime john jones is the goat mm-hmm. if john jones is the goat khabib cannot be why are we having this conversation john jones has literally wrecked his Weight class three times over. Yeah. He's cleared it out a few times. The only times he ever lost was by disqualification in a fight everyone thought he won until the result came in. And they're like, oh, no, he used 12 to 6 elbows. He was actually DQ'd. Mm-hmm. That's it. You have Khabib, who's, yeah, 29 and 0. But he he hasn't been good enough long enough, in my opinion, to be the GOAT. Like, part of the reason Michael Jordan was the GOAT was because he dominated for a decade. And no one could touch him. I think LeBron has a shot at being the GOAT in basketball, but I don't think he will get there without the benefit of hindsight because I think it's going to be the counting stats that get him there because a lot of people talk about titles. And as we've talked about before, he's lost all of the titles except one he was supposed to lose. He's won all of the titles except one he was supposed to win. I don't think titles is relevant to the conversation the same way I don't think titles is relevant to the conversation for Kobe because Shaq won three of them. I think we're too quick to anoint the goat. I think people need to calm down, use some hindsight and only once they've retired and been away for a little bit, you can appreciate what they actually did. Can you crown them the goat? I think the goat conversation takes at least five years from you being retired before you can really look into the numbers. When you're eligible for the Hall of Fame, you're eligible for the GOAT conversation in my book. I like that. I like that, and that's definitely something we could look at. Yeah. 
so what we we're still doing when it takes all five years from now we'll then talk about lebron's status five years after he retired we'll talk about khabib then so you want to talk about lebron in 2050 because he's definitely <laughs> playing with Bronny, and he might be playing with Bronny jr through junior jr Bronny jr jr cj you got anything else you want to plug uh, check out the 49ers and the Seahawks this weekend because me and the future wife have a very large bet coming on it because mm-hmm. she's a Seahawks fan because she makes poor life choices like <laughs> deciding to marry me soon. <laughs> That's going to be a great game. Make sure you listen to the podcast at Fury Podcast Network or on the Strife Podcast feed, which will be changed to the Winner Takes All feed. The Make sure you give us five stars and ratings, comment, also participate in the conversation. Tell us what you think about the Dodgers, what you think about the Bachelorette, what you think about Supermarket Sweep. Write Supermarket Sweep. Write in the comments and let us know. CJ, I think that's it. Have a great day. Yeah. Bye. Bye.